Welcome to the Mix Masters Podcast, a program created by me, Steve Litcher, live sound engineer for the band Stitched Up Heart. I created this podcast during the COVID pandemic as a means to keep in contact with my friends and mentors from the live sound industry. Touring with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet some really incredible people, and I wanted to introduce you to their stories. So whether you're an experienced engineer, a hobbyist, or someone who's just wondered what goes into mixing a live music show, this podcast is for you. I've got to thank my friend Merritt Goodwin for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's an incredible musician and composer. Give him a shout on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin, or on Instagram at Doubt the Trust. Thanks again for joining me. Now let's bring up the faders and start the podcast. Welcome to a very special edition of Mixmasters Podcast. As you know, I traditionally host long-form, one-on-one interviews with front-of-house engineers where we dig deep into their histories, philosophies, touring stories, and whatnot. But for this episode, I gathered together four of the best mix engineers in the world and presented a single topic for them to discuss in depth. This is a never-before-experienced opportunity for you to listen as engineers talk amongst themselves about how they handle a very specific scenario or situation. I found their discussion absolutely fascinating, and I hope you'll enjoy it as well. So let's sit back and listen as Eric Rogers, Drew Thornton, Nick Rucker, and Alex Marchides talk about festivals and how those shows differ from traditional headlining shows. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mixmasters Podcast. This is a special version of a roundtable, and I'm pleased to be joined by a number of my peers and mentors and friends. Uh, so real quick, uh, everybody introduce yourselves, if you don't mind. Uh, let's start off with Nick. Hey, what's up? I'm Nick Rucker. I'm the front of house engineer for Steel Panther, and I'm based in L.A. What's up, guys? This is Drew Thornton, front of house for Billie Eilish, uh, and I'm based out of L.A. Guys, I'm Eric Rogers. I'm front of house for St. Asonia, and I'm based in Sarasota, Florida. Hey, guys, this is Alex. I'm front of house for Killswitch Engage and based in Washington, D.C. And I'm, of course, Steve Litcher, based in Madison, Wisconsin. And again, we're doing this over Zoom. Uh, so hopefully we don't get hacked and have unwanted uh, people chiming in with sound opinions. Um, although those opinions would be better than mine, I'm sure. So it might be welcome. And uh, yeah, so if we get some robot voice, apologies for that. But it seems to be very solid. So touch wood that we'll, we'll be good for the rest of the podcast. But they call that auto-tune, and it's, it sells millions of records. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to market it a little better, put a spin on it. So thanks, Eric. All right. Uh, so I figured I'd start off. I, I've talked to you guys a fair amount recently, but I haven't really like talked to you to see how you're doing. Uh, Drew, how are you doing? Are you hanging in there? What are you, what are you watching these days or listening oh. to? <clears throat> um, I, it sounds so, so lame, but uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel has been awesome. So I good. Can't, it's so good. Uh, we're watching the hell out of that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, just trying to stay busy, uh, working on some projects, you know, I'm watching all of these guys and their tutorials doing crazy stuff with manual delay compensation and making spreadsheets and testing it through, you know, phase scopes myself and, you know, just trying to keep, keep busy and keep the ears, I guess, uh, in shape. What do so you, sn- you snacking on anything fun? snacking yeah uh not currently but uh we do have some burrata and some prosciutto in the fridge that uh that's going to be a treat for today because today was uh, a fun one yeah <laughs> so yeah how about you alex what are you uh what are you doing to stay busy are you watching anything good or snacking and eating anything fun 
I just finished Westworld and uh, Better Call Saul. Finally, I took the time to make take it all slow because they're both real good. Uh, other than that, I am uh, building a bunch of stuff. I uh, just built eight sound panels for my buddy. A uh, bunch of uh, like you know bass traps, and I'm currently building my car into a camper uh, so I can go. Uh, or, you know, feel like I'm in a bus. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> or whatever tiny home yeah tiny home but in my car so <laughs> i love it it's genius actually yeah why not i mean it builds out like almost like a war bunker that yeah a, amazing i'm gonna make it smell weird um and i don't know have have like a portable dvd player in there or like or like that it was there but yeah. so I just pretend i'm in a bus or something perfect, perfect. awesome uh, Nick, how about you? What are you uh, What are you watching? What are you doing to stay busy right now? Uh, I just started uh, Avenue 5 on HBO, which is from the people that made Veep. And then um, my wife was watching these documentaries about Formula One racing. And those two like coincided because they <laughs> filmed a lot of the stuff on Earth for Avenue 5 in the, um, in the McLaren office in the UK because it's got this really cool like modern looking building. So like watching Avenue 5, I'm like, wait, that's the thing from the other show we're watching. That's super weird. Um, and then just um, snacking on banana bread pretty pretty constantly. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, that sounds glorious. How about Eric? What are you, uh, what are you doing to stay busy and pass the time? Uh, well, in the background of what I'm doing, I'm binging all of the American Horror Story because I'm just in love with that thing. Uh, I'm, I'm building a, a company that I started uh, to try to bring shows back to do um streaming recorded shows and i'm cooking a lot so what do you, you have a hot tub <laughs> yeah we can oh. see your hot tub behind you <laughs> so i was thinking about tub. doing this in the hot tub but i didn't know I just, it was it was Build almost room. that's the uh sequel it's a uh, hot tub stream machine that oh, would be fun. beautiful <laughs> i'm gonna show myself out that was uncalled for <laughs> oh it was good it was good yeah all right. Well, can't I'm, tell that you've been quarantined for months. That's <laughs> all. It's all I've got. We can just do it live from the Norva. There you go. Um, all right. So uh, thanks again, guys, for joining me with this roundtable. Um, for people listening at home, I've been fielding a lot of questions through emails and through uh, direct messages. So if you have questions for future roundtables, please keep sending those in. Um, but I wanted to, to throw a couple of things out there and we'll treat this in sort of a round robin type of fashion. So I'll queue up a subject and then we can sort of explore it and talk about it in detail until it's so exhausted that we, you know, forgot what we started talking about. But, uh, let's start with everybody's favorite scenario, the, the festival type of a show. One of the questions I got from somebody who listens is how do festival uh, events differ from traditional shows. So, and I, and they mentioned something about fly dates as well. Um, but let's, let's look into what goes into a festival event. So all of us work with, uh, a band or two on a regular basis, and we've all, and we've all been in festival scenarios. Um, but let's start off by talking about preparing for a festival show and, uh, you know, what goes into that and, um, you know, how it differs from a traditional like a theater tour or an arena tour. And let's start off. Uh, who wants to take this one first? I'll, I'll jump in if I could. All right. 
Um, so, you know, typically the, the bigger the band you are, the earlier you got to get there. So, the, you know, the top three headliners are in there at the crack of dawn and they're taking up all the real estate that's available on stage. So if you're in one of the sort of earlier bands, you're you like, you could get there super early and try and stake your claim, but then you're sort of fighting with the local crew and you're fighting with uh, the headliner acts for real estate, for your tech world and for your monitor board and all that. So what can be kind of cool about if you combine fly dates into festivals is that you don't really have stuff and you just kind of show up when they let you, which can suck, but it's also great because, you know, let's say you get, you get the deck maybe two hours or three hours before you're set. Then like you can maybe be a little bit more free with your travel and you can maybe fly in the morning of, or you can sort of bus in sort of leisurely. Um, that's, that's been the case with, um, with Steel Panther for the last few years is that we're either low down on the big festivals or we're high up on the small festivals. And when you're high up on the small festivals, um, they don't want you on stage anyways because there's no room for your gear. So you're really not allowed on stage prior to three or four hours before you're set anyways. So that sort of allowed our booking agent to route, like when we do like the sort of secondary festival circuit, we can sort of route those, those festivals kind of further apart so we can actually get to them the, maybe the afternoon and not, not at the crack of dawn. And that's great because I like to sleep. So um, I'll go ahead and pass. Yeah, yeah, those 6 a.m. load-ins are not fun uh, at all. Uh, I've done well, quite a bit of those. Alex has heard, heard my approach <laughs> earlier this year. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent and user of virtual soundcheck. I, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I actually soundchecked a band at a festival. And all last year, last couple of years, we've either been headlining or direct. Um, and when we're direct, it's like we've been direct to Tool or Slipknot. So, or uh, we, once we were direct to Guns N' Roses, and it's so when you're when you're playing direct to those guys, you take advantage of all the time you can. But we also don't want to be disrespectful to everybody else that has to play before us. So I come in, and as soon as I'm as soon as I have power, um, I treat the whole venue basically to the last show I did. And I'm done. Like I, I do my show, and then I can do my whole line check and headphones, and yeah. provided everything works right, we have a show, and I don't think about it. That's that's my approach to a festival. Even even thirty seconds with like a multi-track, you know, virtual sound check with the PA is enough. Like I'll do like thirty seconds of a song, and be like, cool. At these festivals, the PA's are fucking massive. They all probably sound fine. They're all really good, huge. Uh, you know, you can't have time to figure out if all the delay towers are right but who cares it's like whatever but uh you know with the virtual sound check you bring it up and it's probably going to sound great at that moment and once the band comes in you just make sure your lines work like you said put in your cans or if you got near fields or whatever then you're ready to go and, and it's you like gonna save it you so too. much time you have to make it work because you don't want to be the guy that comes in like a week and a half into Summerfest in milwaukee and be like this pa sucks but yeah. they've had eight days of awesome shows and you want to be that guy just be on point have your shit together yeah exactly i, I don't want to disparage Summerfest, but i've i've heard more bad shows at Summerfest than i've ever heard in my entire concert going combined <laughs> i've Fair always enough. enjoyed it i've i've always enjoyed Summerfest. um it's i mean it's always digico so it's sometimes it's a little bit of a, a stretch sometimes to get your artist to shout out the money to 
build a file or anything like that. So if you don't have anything like that, but um, this year, well, I guess not this year. Uh, last year was the most unique scenario for us for for Billy because it was just like we were all over the map. We were headlining some, you know, some stages like Coachella, our second, you know, the secondary stage, and then some of them we were like playing three o'clock uh, in the afternoon with an entire full crew with a very stripped down setup with just like some GT truss on the ground and some risers, which is hilarious but it, it you know i kind of like those gigs because it was like all right cool like you, you could just do it get it over with and then like watch everyone else because one of my favorite things to do at a festival is listen to everybody else because that's how you know what things sound like like i love that uh, even though sometimes like the festivals that i'm you know working aren't necessarily my favorite artists i'm always curious because i mean that's where you get to hear all the, the other guys like the heavy hitters like doing the you know the big shows you want to know what they sound like because you're like well these guys got the best scenario they got a sound check and i'm just rolling up with a file um and that reminds me of like coachella which was an incredibly stressful situation um, because we were headlining, but for some reason uh, the second to last band, and I won't name them, um, got a sound check with the doors closed. And then when the doors opened, I got 30 minutes to do my thing and I couldn't have anyone on stage. So I had to do, I split it out in a, three 10 minute sections. And I did like first 10 minutes was like, I'm going to listen to some tracks, make sure everything sounds right there. And then I'm going to take, uh, the, what is it? The next 10 minutes to listen to some vir virtual sound check, two or three songs. And then the last 10 minutes, but when I have the PA basically zoned and tuned the way I want at the level that I want, because Billy's a quiet singer, I took the last 10 minutes to ring out the mic. Um, and I wasn't able to hear I both both weekends at Coachella headlining Coachella. I did not hear one input through the PA at all. That's so one of the things is to just have as much uh, figured out and how have a diligent plan on how you want to approach your your very limited if you're lucky enough to get time. For sure. Yeah. Alex, were you going to chime in? I thought I saw you. No, no, no. no. Oh, OK. No, I misread. I totally agree with, with all that. So like having no time. I was just saying like even. He was saying, like, get out and walk around and listen to the other guys to listen yeah. for sure. Like, I, I feel like that's the only time any of us really even get to listen to music or, like, enjoy it. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're done. You're set over at, like, 5 o'clock. You're like, fuck, yeah, go to catering uh, and then go, like, watch all the headliner bands or whatever and start drinking or whatever. But this yeah. is also a good point, too. I, I like to go around and listen to the PA in different zones and different uh, planes of the field because that uh, you can actually learn a lot about the PA when you don't even have a chance to listen to it. So yeah. you can go and listen to the, the you can be like, okay, the low ends pocket is right here. And if I get a second in the second song to run out and listen to it, I know that this is where the best place to listen that translates to all the other locations that you can't get to. So I, I mean, it, it's, you know, I like to listen. So. I, what I like about that scenario is if you take something like uh, Hellfest in France, where it's uh, like four full K1 P rigs next to, next to each other. because That mix position is so stupid. Mix position is in between two stages. So like my guys are over there, and the next band is over there, and the PA is literally set up like right, left, left, right, left, left. It's this massive wall of, of sound. And you take a look at it, and you're it's, it's a European festival. You don't sound check throw and go they don't give a shit if something's wrong yeah so 
you, you go out and you blind listen to sound checks, man. It's like, you, all right, you, go. You know, I want to know how this sounds. And it's cool because honestly, those guys really have it dialed in. And just by, if you're, if you're mixing with your eyes, you're tuning a system by looking at it and being all judgy, like we're all guilty of doing, it's really cool to take a listen to it and go, okay. And then take a step out, you know, mix your show and, and know that, you know, it's going to sound good at front of house. I had a good time at Hellfest. So I've only mixed there once, but it, I had a really good time. I've had two great years in a row there. The first year uh, I got zero sound check and my band didn't have any monitors. So they had a fun time. Something, something <laughs> came to yeah. So I, I had a lovely day. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to ask real quick. So I know like Nick and Drew um, both work with artists that don't have a ton of backline. Nick, do you think that that's an advantage not having a lot of backline or, or is it really not make a difference at a, at a festival? 100% it makes a difference. Like I said, like real estate is at a premium. And if you're flying and you're having to rent shit and you get what you get and you're at a, you're at a field in the middle of nowhere. So if they don't have your choice of gear, you're fucked. Yeah. So we carry as much as we can, which happens to be very little. And we can do that same show uh, on a, you know, a 14 foot wide stage or a huge ass, um, you know, festival like Hellfest or... Um, we just did it in Europe. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, that reminded me the last time I did Hellfest, you know, we were in the portion of the show where the guys do the acoustic thing and it's all quiet. And the guy next to me on, on the other stage was blasting the near field so loud I couldn't hear the PA. Perfect. And I had to kind of go, hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, you, know, you get your time, like this, like my show is happening. I can't, I can't even hear my PA because you're like blasting sound check on the near but field next to my I, head. I would love to also add um, the one thing that I, I loved about, and we were lucky to do this uh, kind of early and, and get the management on it, but we were traveling with our own fly rig. So that kind of thing was very spoiling. Like that, I've had the best festival scenario in the worst kind of conditions. Cause if you think about it, it's like very, very rare to do any of our artists show up at like seven in the morning, to check unless they want to do a new song, of course. And you're and like, you okay, now, on a fly yeah, date. yeah, on a fly date, which happens. Um, but having having something that's flyable and something that you know on a file, it's true. And then like, uh, not to make this a commercial or anything, but but we have the the D Live C1500s and the DM zeros and then the DX168s. And back then we were doing the 16.8s are active stage boxes. They're basically 16 in eight out and you can literally so behind during the entire day of a festival when you get lucky enough you get a riser and they put a piece of tape on there for your artist and you can spend all day sweating your ass off in the sun setting up the drums setting up your mics doing all this and under normal circumstances you are usually probably within an hour or two of your set if you're lucky, maybe earlier, you're dropped some stage boxes, some W1 bu breakout boxes. You could literally, or W4 breakouts, you could literally just patch your drums. But in this situation, we were able to carry our own drum looms. So then we had our own stage boxes. All we had to do is get power and run those Cat 5s. And we were pretty much out on, rolled the two risers out on stage, plug up four Cat 5s, and then we were off to the races. So, I mean, I, I think that that was a very, it's, I mean, it's not a very common uh, scenario, but for for me, it was very spoiling, and I enjoyed it greatly. So Awesome. Yeah, I know, um, Drew, you, prior to this year's tour, you were traveling with a pretty lean crew. Eric, I imagine you have a pretty 
monstrous crew when you were doing stuff with Godsmack, Alex and Nick, uh, a leaner crew. Um, what is the bare minimum that anybody needs to uh, do a festival show successfully? Have you done it solo, or have you done it with a couple of people? Or uh, let's let's start with uh, let's start D- with define success <laughs> <laughs> for us or for the artist. Oh, <laughs> or... <I'm here. laughs> Yeah, so I'll I'll leave Eric out of this one because it's more for smaller. But let's start with Alex. Alex, what's the what's the smallest crew you've traveled with, and what was that like? Uh, I would say it would be just like a guitar tech stage right, and then monitor guitar tech stage left, and a drum tech, and then me, and then that's it. Like with the amount of gear that we had, we had an LD as well, but there, he was just pushing because we were playing during the day, so there's no light. So, but he was just helping us push around gear. But other than that, I mean. I, I mean, it depends, really. Like, if you have a drum kit and some amps, like, at least two people would be the minimum. But, I mean, like, at least the smallest that I've done probably before. All right. Including me. Cool. And, Nick, you told me a story a while back about doing, uh, I think it was at Download or or something like that, where you were the only guy that, is it really, has, has it just been you in a number of instances? Or what's your ideal number? Well, that was before we knew what the fuck we were doing. That was yeah. just, hey, let's just, hey, our, our, our manager who didn't know how to manage anything but like residency gigs was like, ah, we'll send you guys out to London. You're going to do the download festival, even though it's not in London. And like, yeah, it was just me. And like the the house guys were helpful enough to make it work. But in, since we've been doing this for so long and since the guys are on ears, it's like you, you need a monitor guy and he needs like a half a day on stage to make it to where the band can come out and during our little 10 minute, you know, ear check, he can make it happen. But he, he really needs that half a day. Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky enough to just walk out at front of the house with a USB stick at some point in the day. If, if they're kind enough to let me load my show, cool. And if not, I'll do it at the changeover. And just like, if I've got one guy on stage doing drums, one guy on stage doing you're super nonchalant about it too. I've I've seen I've been with you at festivals and you're just like, oh whatever, it's fine. I'm like, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I gotta at least plug my stick in because if not, if not like you know, a download, they make you fucking run your stick to the virus check and that might fucking take forever. And then there's like a second computer and like there's all this file transferring. It's like, just let me load this shit and then I'll leave. Like forget about it. But you're just like, ah, well, it'll be fine or whatever. Yeah, and that's <laughs> Maybe to a fault at times, my, my yeah. lack of attitude toward getting my show file on there. But really, it's like, these guys are fucking busy. All the other bands are stressing. Like, we all don't have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not asking for much. I love that. I love that you're like that. It's great. I yeah, wish yeah. I was a little bit less, like, freaking out about trying to get my, you know. Luckily, we now, any most of the festivals that we do have been routed around tours. So I have all of my gear and stuff. And if, like, I can't take my console to front house that's like not that hard. At least I have like all my drum patching and all my looms and shit. So all we need is fucking power. Cool. Yeah. And I, the, the most of the work I do is in the first two songs anyways. And then those guys. Yeah, like absolutely. And so like anything I need to do after those first two songs, I have plenty of time to figure it out. Like if, if something's wacky, I can, I can do it when they're talking. Yeah. That- you guys are, you guys are going to get a kick out of this. Um, so I, I can be a reckless person. Uh, and I'll preface by saying that. Um, and since we brought up Summerfest, the last time I did Summerfest was actually during the time I was in contact with Billy's management about doing a, a, 
a test gig, which the test gig was just me and a monitor engineer. And the monitor guy was, that was his sec, that was his first, his second show. So I was on his second show, my first show, both festivals, both throw and goes. But we, you know, I brought in the 1500s and we were able to sort it. Um, but before that, this is where it gets ugly. So I designed kind of another fly rig, which was based around an X32 rack, uh, an X-Touch, uh, a Midas DL32, and uh, a server, um, um, like a wave server. And I was working with this band that was uh, kind of like, um, it's like an acoustic rap thing or whatever, um, uh, Time Flies. And they were headlining the Harley Davidson sta stage in uh, in Summerfest, and we got in there. We were able to do a sound check and and everything else. But I <laughs> I was the only engineer. The and then there was an, a lighting guy. And that was it. There was a lighting guy, and there was me. And I was doing monitors from front of house. Um, I was also doing guitar tuning. Uh, I was also running side side fills for the singer. And I was running the drum wedge for the DJ. Uh, and I was tuning their, their ears, running ears from front of house. And I was also automating auto-tune while the show was happening. Um, <laughs> all, all on a little X-Touch uh, Behringer thing. And it was, it was awesome. I thought it sounded great. So uh, it, it's, it's a bit crazy what you can do. But if you prepare uh, and, you know, and you go and know what you need to do and when and how, and you can sort risers and build as much as you can back there all day. I, I don't care about sleep for me. I personally don't care. When I get to a festival, all I want to do is just work. So whatever I can do, I'll stand back there and do stuff. Sleep when you're dead, man. I'm just, I, I've had enough bad experiences where, I, you know, I'd rather just be super thorough and I'm, so I can be guilt. I'm guilty to be a space cadet sometimes. So it, it's, it helps me to just have more time than not, even if I'm not the head headlining engineer. I didn't mean to exclude Eric, uh, because I know you've, you've worked with the bands other than Godsmack, but have you been in those scenarios and what has your experience been? Okay. So two years ago, Two years ago, Hellfest, my first time doing Hellfest, which we talked about, it's funny, we keep going back to that. Um, it was me, uh, a drum tech, and um, uh, guitar tech and a keyboard tech, there were four of us. And the band um, was self-mixing their monitors um, through. So I was, I had a Digico SD10 out front and they had a, an X32 rack. And I, I, I honestly, I, I had gotten the gig maybe a week before we left for the tour so I don't know anything about the X32 anything. And, but I'm the audio guy, I'm resident audio guy too, so I have to figure it out. And um, how you pull off a festival with uh, no monitors is because your front of house guy patches in the X32 rack wrong. So everybody's little mixed pod was plugged into the wrong fucking cat five. <laughs> so like every time Mike was trying to add more bass, he was cranking it up and, and oh, shit. Oh, it was terrible. And like one by one, I'm 200 feet away out front and I'm watching them rip their ears out. And at some point I'm watching Bumblefoot stand. He did the whole show standing underneath the PA because <laughs> we had no wedges. Uh, we had no backline. He was literally playing strictly through his um, his line six pedal board. That was it. And wow. they they had the most miserable show. But it can be pulled because nobody at Hellfest knew how pissed off those guys were. 
I didn't know how pissed off they were until I got back to the bus. I had no idea what had happened. You're like, hey, that's so great, man. <laughs> and that is was- job security. Bring your monitor engineer, folks. I always bring in a monitor engineer. What was cool? I didn't even know I hadn't I didn't know what I had done at that point. And like something's wrong with the monitor. You have to fucking figure it out. And I figured it out at the next gig where I'm like, yeah, whatever problem was, I fixed it. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) They had none the wiser. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done those small things and it's hard when you, it's it's real easy when, you know, you've got a a tech for every guy in the band. Plus you have a, an assistant to fetch water and towels and you've got a, Another production, you have your army of people to get shit done. So then a festival is like a regular tour day. It's awesome. But when you're down to a, a you know, that skeleton crew of four or five people and everything goes wrong, but you still manage to do the show, that's the days I live for. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, what's the, Nick, what's the most important thing that you need to have for a, a successful festival situation? Well, like Eric was saying, if, if, if uh, cable one is plugged into hole one. You know. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we did uh, uh, Copenhagen. I want to say this was two years ago, three years ago. Uh, and it was a new monitor guy. It was his first gig. It was Patty, Patty Cruz, who's a fucking hotshot. Um, the festival had an 80 piece orchestra on stage before us, struck the entire orchestra. And then the the house monitor guy fucked up the patch. He had some of the uh, multi pins in the wrong place. So, and I was getting keyboard tracks down the backup vocal line and all this all this weird shit. And so Patty was just left out hanging. Like he he couldn't do his job until this guy figured out his shit. And you know, we might come into a situation knowing it's our show and being the boss. But ultimately, like, it's up to that one guy whose job it is to patch, to not fuck up. And if he does fuck up, it doesn't matter if you have your whole crew, the guy getting the water, you know, a separate monitor tech for each guy in the band. It doesn't matter if that one piece of the puzzle is, is fucked. So, yeah. you, like, we really do depend on these guys so much. And I can't stress enough to people who tour, be nice and be patient with house guys because it comes back the next time around. And... I pride myself on having one of those crews that every time we leave a venue, they say that was the best show we've had all month, all season, all year, whatever it was. And we leave a good impression on people so that when we come back, those people want to be on the show and we don't piss people off. And hopefully we don't take it personally. If they're having a rough day, we just like control what we can control. And the rest is up to everybody doing their job. And the band, fortunately, at this point in their career, understands that, and that makes it a little bit easier. Like when things do get get fucked up, sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Drew, what's the, what's one of the most critical things that you need to have for a successful festival experience? Uh, I would say, God, I mean, the patch the patch is important, but having a show file, having a stage plot, having an input list that is literally accurate. Because I can't tell you how many times I've shown up and they have some kind of stage plot from like three years ago. And I literally sent one at the beginning of the tour, but you have to have hard copies and you have to have multiple of them. And you have to be like, this is what I need. This is where it needs to go. And this is exactly, and it's completely accurate. 
ignore all the other crap and you got to get it to it early because those guys are already, if they're a good festival, they're already marking up the boxes and you don't want to waste people's time. You don't want the guy going through and rewriting your stage because your, your input list is different. And you know, you like, you, like Nick said, you have to be cool and you have to be patient because if you're not, it's just going to, it's, it's, it, think about a festival. It's a, it's the worst scenario, especially if you're working for the festival for us. Yeah, it sucks, but it's like, we do one show and we're done. We do. And if we're lucky, we get a sound check and that's, that's it. And then the rest of the day, let's be honest, we're kind of not, not really doing anything. So these guys are literally, some of them are eating in their stations. Some of them aren't eating. Some of them aren't drinking water. Some of them are sweating their asses off. Some of them have no idea what they're doing. And you just got to like, okay, it's cool. Like just be the cool con collected one and try to be supportive and try to figure out, but you got to come collected. You got to come with a plan. You got to come with the information, especially if you don't have a crew. And even if you do have a crew, someone's got to give them the right information because communication is key. You know, like yeah. you, you got to catch things early and you got to be there and willing to put in the time because people respect it. And like you said, you want to come back to that festival and you're going to be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember you. Oh, it's fine. Yeah we got it completely more figured out this year. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's a completely different situation. So yeah, it's important and correct knowledge. Yeah. Alex, anything that you need to have a successful yeah. festival? I was going to say, I've been on the other side. I've been on the uh, house, uh, you know, end of the I mean, festivals. We've done festivals in DC for like, uh, like the roots and like the killers and like all these things. And he was like, Drew was saying like communication is so key. I'd want, the engineer to come to me in the morning or whenever he the hell arrives and be like, this is what I need. Here's my shit. I need this fucking power. I need two W4s. I need four cat five lines. Cool. We got a couple spares, whatever. And that's like it. So like when I get to a festival, that's the first thing I do is I go talk to the guy and be like, I need four stands, four power drops and two cat fives. And then I'm good. You know, yeah. or whatever the case may be like, so like, I know how rough it can be and like some guys will come in and like into the festivals, like, you know, some of the bands that I've worked for, uh, at least uh, being a house guy for these big festivals here is, is not easy sometimes, but it's like, as long as you tell me what you need, I'll, it'll get done. And I feel like some people don't communicate that when I see other bands, like say I'm on a tour, like Hellfest or whatever, I see other guys not communicating and then, and then they'll like, freak out as to why their shit isn't there or working and be like, wait, did you fucking talk to the guy? Like, did you communicate what was supposed to be happening? No. Okay. Well, there you go. Like yeah. if you start an alliance, you know, be like, well, I did tell you. And if he doesn't do it, you know what? Like, I don't get mad. Like you, like Nick was saying, like it's, it's, it's annoying to be mad. I pride myself in having even all my crews that I've put together. I don't want any, everyone to like be mad at each other or fucking yell. I've like, fuck off. Like, don't be on my crew. I don't want to have any part to deal with that. Um, it takes too much energy. Yeah, yeah, dude, it sucks. And it's like, why do that? It's like, who can, it's like, dude, if like, if the house guy can't do what I need and like, I'll just do it myself and then move on with my life because I don't care about like how you feel or how I'm going to feel. I care that the show needs to happen. Like, you know, that, that cliche saying the show must go on literally has to happen regardless of how I fucking feel or how anyone else around me feels. The show has to happen. So it's like, 
for it to happen everyone communication is i think the number one besides everything else like you i tell you what you need you're gonna give me that and that's it you can't give it to me i will just do it and then that's we'll move on with our lives eric anything to add uh what what do you need for a successful show everything these guys said i could just reiterate because it's true but so to kind of to, to kind of go into like the the nerd zone of things something that i've learned to do is i contemplate every every possible point where i could get into an argument with somebody and i fix it and what that is is like there is in the back of say on my stage rack there's a maddie split ready to go there's an analog split ready to go so when the truck guy comes up three minutes before intro it's like oh i need this like well here you fucking go and if he if if that's not good enough i also have all of my subgroups which i'm guessing we're going to get into that later so you can mix i have the direct out of drums guitars bass keys vocals tracks i have all that shit you can patch in a stereo subgroup right there and you can just have little eight little channels to do whatever you've got to do and then on the front that's of pretty house, sick, actually on the front of house side of things carry a system processor like i carry a galaxy but it doesn't matter you carry a lake doesn't matter what you carry instead of getting into getting into some sort of pissing match with the house guy because you think that you're you're the way you're going to tune the pa is going to be better than him doesn't matter you need carry two channels man <laughs> carry your own processor you can matrix yeah. it however he wants like i mix left right so my left, right can either go straight into his PA or it can go into my galaxy. And then he can have left, right, front, sub, trailer, porta potty, VIP. I don't give a fuck. It can go wherever he wants to go. And I can do all of my systems tuning in there because whatever, whatever he cut out, I can push up on mine. And I don't have to mess with his thing. Now, is that the most scientific, mathematically accurate way of doing things? No. And I'm sure that, you know, my, my friend Chris at Rational Acoustics is, you know, his brain is exploding when he, he's, he's knowing what that trace is going to look like. But the truth is, is it's going to sound good for the 65, 70 minutes that I have to have my band coming through that PA. And instead of making somebody's day miserable, I, they got to go get dinner because I'm self-contained. Everybody has whatever they need. And then I get to go get dinner afterwards. And I have, I've made a friend instead of an enemy. Yeah. yeah, which is the gist of what these guys are all talking about. So, yep, uh, I've I've talked to Drew quite a bit uh, about the number of matrices that he uses and and outputs. Uh, so, uh, Eric brings up a great point about a system processor. Do you do you guys think it's necessary to to have a system processor, or on the boards that you mix on, are you able to get like close enough? Um, Drew, you want to talk a little bit about how you handle uh, your outs because <laughs> there's a ton um, of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, this has been a pretty awesome, you know, couple years for me because it's been, you know, I've been doing all kinds of shows from the big shows to the little shows, but headlining those kinds of shows is a different story, you know. Um, And I feel like, especially given the circumstance that I was in, I started carrying my own lake and it was a game changer. Um, And as for matrixes, I now because of the way that I'm, I'm expanding and trying different busing and, and different kind of things. I, I usually just reserve eight. Uh, and ironically now I'm using uh, only two left and right. Cause my system guy was like, Hey, just send me a left, right. And I'm like, 
I don't like to normally do that, but because we were setting it up and before, because we were, we had flown subs and 90% of my show was going to be out of the air anyway. I was like, all right, I'll take a chance. And I always like to take a chance. I always like to give people, maybe it's a, a bad thing, but I also feel like if you give people the right people, the right amount of give and take, it can return to you. And it did return to me and those, he took care of me, but I do set it up as in left, right, sub, fill, uh, a near field stereo pair, a near field sub, and then like a, a bar feed or whatever. And then like I have like four, uh, everything is already matrixed off my left, right. There's no ox sub. It's just, it's all off the left, right. Um, and that's, and I, and I, like I said, uh, uh, last, last year and a half, two years, traveling with a lake has been an infinitely amazing thing. Uh, being able to tailor tailor in any possible way. There's a lot of things you can do in a lake you can't do with a parametric on the outputs. And a lot of desks are limited to how many bands of parametric you have. And then you're kind of doing a, a mix between a graph and a parametric. And, and I've done it for years and I've had a lot of great shows over that. But yeah, if you can get a lake or, or you know any kind of system processor that you feel comfortable with and you can shape with minimal distortion, phase distortion, that's a great thing because like you said, sometimes the PA is not the way you want it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, it's like, that's, that's the most important thing. And, and uh, you know, like I also don't like going through and trying to get the system guy to change a thousand things during a, a, a festival, because what's the likeliness is he's going to be able to either save it as a different file, reload it, which that will never happen. Or, you know, remember what page he was on and which ones were you were. It's just asking a lot. And, the most important thing is I think that for new engineers out there, think of like festivals as a war zone. You want, you want to, you want your artist to get the best response out of there. And how many crappy shows have you seen during the day for other artists with engineers? So it's like already people carrying their own gear, they're up against all kinds of problems like cat five, not working the patch being wrong. Someone giving you like, faulty snakes like some you know power going out like there's a thousand things so like the best thing is is if you're unless you're headlining be be sure to try to minimize the things that can go wrong because you won't have the time i promise you no matter how much time you will not have it and that's the that's the most important thing and festivals are important for the artists because that's their chance to reach a crowd that's not normally theirs yeah Good. It's funny. I also would say um, when you approach a festival, kind of assume assume the best, but prepare for the worst. I did one last year where, uh, and I, I won't I won't name the band, but somebody came up to me who played earlier in the day, came up to me in, in catering. He's like, "Man, you got to look out, man! It's, it's sub week. There's 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 no bottom end to this PA," and I, I start freaking out a little bit. Ice Cube played right before us. There's plenty of fucking bottom end of that PA, <laughs> like, like bottom end for days. And it was just, it's, you know, when, when you roll in and you just assume that since you're the artist, you're the band and the festival is just there, they're providing whatever guy, you know, their house guy that you know more, you can really do a lot of damage. Assuming that you're playing large festivals and maybe a smaller regional festival might have a little bit a different approach. But I mean, if you, if you walk in and you see, you know, all the K one in the County, it's probably going to be okay. 
If you walk yeah. in, you see like every Leo box that in the state of New York, it's probably going to be all right because they probably didn't send some hack out to tune the pick. Yeah. So kind of go in assuming, if you assume that everybody knows how to do their job and you do yours, you'll be fine. And you may have to help them. You might discover that, oh, somebody screwed up or, or something went wrong. But instead of going in with a negative attitude, go in with a positive attitude and you'll probably come out with one too. That's yeah. a great point. Um, I'm going to jump in real quick because I just want to ask one follow-up question to the guys who travel with Lake, and that's like Drew and Eric and Alex, because um, I have a LM44 as well. When you're in a festival scenario like that, where are you typically patching that that processor in? Are you are you going from your board to your lake and then giving them your lake into their lake, or are they pulling their lake out of the, the loop? I would think that that would not be practical, but... Uh, I'm just curious for my own selfish reasons, Eric. My only requirement is that I stay in the digital domain. So I am AES out of my desk, AES into my processor. I don't want to go AES out of my processor and I'll go wherever. If I have to go into their processor, I don't care because I'm still in the digital domain. So I'm not getting another conversion. I'm not getting any weird delay, anything like that. So yeah, as long as, long as I don't have to have another converter, I don't care where it goes. Drew, Alex, are you guys the same way? Uh, I mean, personally, uh, I before it was actually funny because before we did the, I can't remember the last Christmas extravaganza at the forum, um, we were we switched to using Claire and Claire Control, and uh, I had a kind of a temporary system engineer for that for that couple the couple weeks that we were transitioning. And uh, he had a really good point. And I actually think that he's probably on it for that, because especially that show, there was um, an issue with the PA. Now, before it was like um, the first show we did that during that season was like a K1, K2 rig. It was beautiful. It was awesome. The next one was a, it was a VTX rig, which was actually kind of surprising. Um, and it was a firehouse. And I feel like uh, there was some kind of a clocking issue somewhere. And my system engineer was like, I told him, I was like, oh, I'll just give him an AES. And for me, what I usually do is I use my AES card as a breakout in my DM0. I go AES out of my card into my lake. And then I use my lake as an AES, like an analog or AES breakout box instead of having IO. So I always run through my lake. Um, and I usually just send an AES signal because like everyone else here, you would be like, you know what? There's no reason to do an extra conversion in order to go back into their system processor. And that I would agree with. But then the situation was we were getting, it was funny because I, and it was, it had to have been fate because he, he was like, no, I think we should do analog. And I'm like, really? He's like, let's just do analog. It'll minimize the ability for clocking issues. And I was like, I mean, I don't give a shit, you know, like I was like, I don't care. It's, it's a, you know, it's a festival inside of arena. It's probably, it's already tough and you got, you know, hardly any time. So I was like, I'm not going to fight you on it, whatever, let's do it. And I'm so glad I did because when our show started, I didn't hear it during my sound check. Um, and we actually did a full sound check, but I was hearing the digital pops, yeah. little tiny pops in places where I was like, is that our playback? Are we switching between the A and the B computer? Uh, something's going on. So I started listening to every other show and it was happening on everyone except for the SSL behind me. So I was like, there's a clocking issue with everyone else except for the SSL behind me. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, 
that was very interesting to me. And it was like, I asked him, I was like, are we getting any errors? Because I can't, I can't hear any popping in my headphones, which means it's coming from your PA and it's coming from your domain because I'm going analog. Had I gone on AES, I could have very easily been blamed for that scenario. So I was like, from then on, I was like, that's actually not a bad idea is leaving your clock out of it during a, a festival. Because like you said, you want to, like we were talking about before is minimizing the ability of anything going wrong. And it was funny because that didn't happen during my sound check but we sound checked before the SSL. And then after the SSL, even Coldplay was having that same same issue. So I was like, uh, maybe I'm high, maybe I'm hearing something, maybe, maybe I'm hallucinating, but my buddy that was with me was like, dude, I'm hearing it too. So, you know, I kind of feel like it's a, it depends on the situation. Sure. Um, if you're touring, I would definitely AES. Less conversion, the better. But I think now I'm more of an analog, just, I'm going to just do analog because it's a really good point, dude. That's yeah. Really good I never point. thought of it before. I've never had any issues with it before. And ironically, as soon as this guy was like, see, I told you to go analog. And now we know that that's not our issue. And I listened to the recording and I was like, there's nothing happening inside my desk. So the clocking issue is outside of my domain. So, you know, that, that would be one thing to chew over when you're debating that next yeah. time you guys do a festival. Cause I, now I'm like, you're right. You were right. I was wrong. I, I'll just stay out of it because I'm definitely going to go analog for now. Just keep it easy. I don't. I don't care. No one's going to hear the conversion. It's like everyone. I just won't be able to hear the voice. The voice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's true. Do you guys? Is everybody running 96k? Nick, are you running 96k typically? Uh, 88.2, dude. No, I. I... <laughs> got Isn't that the the speed that the DeLorean needs to hit to go back in time? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I wanted yes. to echo what, what Drew said. You know, my favorite motto that I come back to time and time again is people want to get drunk and hear their favorite songs. Yeah. Chances are the entire audience does not know or care what sample rate you're running at, how many conversions you're hitting. They just want to be able to hear their favorite songs and have a good time. So I have to It's just for our ears, man. It's literally like And the thing is if you're if you're creating clicks and pops because you you are striving for perfection, that actually sucks. Yeah. That's gonna bum everybody out. Whereas if you just go, you know what? It ain't perfect. There's maybe an audible delay if just because I know, but no one else fucking knows. Yeah. So safer, always stick with safer, especially when you're in a, a festival situation. And I know Drew's on 96K with DLive, and Eric and Alex, you guys are typically Midas Pro, and those are 96, right? Yeah. Well, it's a funny 96K thing. Um, when I was with Dustin Lynch, we were on Digico. And it was an SD10 house and monitors. And I wanted the whole system to be at 96K, but um, the record rig that we got was a, a USB recording device that was only I could only get the channel count at 48k so I was I was waiting for my my MGB to come in and from Amazon or wherever so I could actually do 96k so I did the first I did rehearsals in like the first week of shows at 48k and we had a back-to-back in Chicago where we did rehearsals and then one night at 48 and then the next day I converted the show file to 96 and the band noticed because and it just, the audience does not know. They don't care about your sample rate. You're right. All they want to do is get drunk and hear their favorite song. But all of a sudden, 
in their in-ears, the band is hearing clarity and definition that they've never heard before, which is rad because it was our desks. But then I realized like, there's no going back from this. And now if I have to do a fly date on a profile, kind of fucked because now I have to explain to these guys that you're going to have, it's not going to sound the same. So now, now I have to advance a 96 K system for them because for me out front, it doesn't matter. It's, it's whatever. But when you have tiny little speakers, you know, a fraction of a millimeter away from your eardrum and you're hearing definition in the, the, the just the stick on the bell of the ride that you never heard before, that's a major thing to the player. And I never considered it. Yeah. So. Here in Madison, uh, before I started hanging out with you guys and doing bigger shows, I was, I was a bar band warrior type of a dude. And uh, I bought my first D-Live system and I brought it out to this bar band that paid me, you know, like 200 bucks a night if I was lucky. And that meant that they were usually paying me out of their pockets because the the venues around here don't pay very well. And I wanted to bring out the D-Live to play around with it. And they're like, oh my God, man, what what changed? It's so good. And I was obligated to bring the D-Live to all these crappy bar, you know, scenarios from then on out. So I shot myself in the foot. So there is a, a danger to that. Brought 48,000 more samples than the last guy, bro. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Um, so time is absolutely flying by here. We're, we're coming up on an hour already. And I, I sort of thought that we would be able to cover multiple subjects, but I don't think <laughs> we're going to be able to. <laughs> we're all pretty verbose and we all have really uh, great experiences. So uh, how about we, we try to wind this one down and maybe we get together again and talk about some of the other potential topics. But uh, if you guys are cool with that, let's uh, let's sort of do a 180 here. So we talked about festivals and all of the things we've learned and, and the, how we deal with those. But uh, maybe we'll start with uh, Drew, and I'll ask, uh, what's been the one worst experience that you've learned the most from? Yes, yes, the worst. It's I can't pretend to uh, think of, like, I, I had this in my mind because I, I saw some other uh, uh, podcasts cover this. Um, but I was, it was, ironically, it was at Bottle Rock Festival and it was a, a good friend of mine. He's a great artist and, uh, he's, he's a fantastic artist and he's a fantastic singer songwriter. He wrote one of the biggest songs out there, uh, song Philip Phillips home and, um, Greg Holden. And, uh, we were doing a festival and I was the only sound guy. Uh, they were on wedges. It was very straightforward. There was an SD8 out front. I can't even remember what PA was, probably like K2 or something. It was one of the smaller stages, and it wasn't like a huge, huge show. But uh, I had gone there, and um, I don't, I don't, I do, and I don't want to throw Bottle Rock under the bus, but they did say what version of firmware they were running for the SD8. Uh, actually, no, no, you know what? They told me it was an SD9. Um, and I remember coming there and I was like, and it was such a big deal because I was like, I had a file prepped with all the presets because we had done a tour and I had, you know, I was working on, you know, whatever desk was available in the venues. So I was able to build kind of a, you know, Hey, a starting point from zero, you know, you can kind of import your settings and, and, uh, I show up and it's the wrong desk. I don't have the SD convert, you know, uh, file, you know, I don't have a, a PC that was, you know, before I, I cared about PC at all. And, um, so I was like, well, shit, I guess I'll just work off the fast, the festival, 
patch, which is not a big deal, you know, whatever. So he brought me, he, he saved me a session from his last thing as, as it happens at festival. If you don't show up with a file, you just work off whatever the house guy's been doing. And, uh, you know, I started the show and, you know, we, I hacked away and three songs in, I was like, yeah, this is great. And it was one of those, uh, SD8s. I can't remember what the bank was, but it wasn't the, um, the one with three banks of 12. I think it was a two bank 12 kind of guy with one screen. And the position of the uh, snapshots uh, go and, and store was right there near the, the bank buttons. And it was probably farther away in my mind. But for me, I remember it was like, I'd, I'd have to look at the interface to see, but I feel like it was like six inches away, you know? And I think I saw it in the corner of my eye and I was trying to bank to something and I hit go. And the guy had stored my fucking scene right when we started open and literally just muted everything. The whole desk wiped all the information. All of my faders went down to the beginning yeah. of the start show and I'm halfway through and I'm like, what the, what the fuck? And everything's muted. I'm like, Droom! and I push it back up and I was like, what the hell just happened? And he was like, Oh, I think you hit the, the go button. I'm like, why is the go button next to the fucking like, can't you disengage that? So I'm like literally just trying to, you know, go and, and, and fix it as fast as possible. And Freddie Bokenhausen, who was the drummer for Ryan Adams at the time too. And, he would always give me his Freddie the Dane, they call him. He'd always be like, Oh, Drew, did you mean to mute the entire PA? Uh, I'm, is that the new thing uh, you sound guys like to do? Oh, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. I'll never live it down. So, uh, yeah, I spent most of my time grabbing every single front house guy that was coming up right after me. I'm like, Dude, this guy, the, 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 this should be disengaged. Just keep in mind, I wiped my entire set literally five songs in so don't watch out for this button so <laughs> it's terrible i, I, I gotta jump how did you recover from it did you quick reload it or what did you do no so when i hit fire it fired the current scene that oh, it was on yeah, yeah. he had literally oh, he literally stored me a scene with my faders all the way down before the show even started so okay all right i, I got I lost there for started a from zero it was awesome <laughs> alex Pretty do you have a scenario yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know when this was, but when I was younger and uh, inexperienced, um, we all mix on subgroups, right? Kick, snare, whatever. Um, Groups. Well, of I, used to, I used to have a band subgroup. Like you know, I'd be like, uh, you know, drums, guitars, bass, tracks, and then band at the last one. Why? I don't know. But uh, I had my headphones on and I was like queuing up something or whatever, and it was like fucking loud, and I was drunk. And I like, you know, uh, hit the mute button on the band group and I didn't hear it because my headphones were so fucking loud. Nobody even like, I didn't notice. So I was like looking down queuing shit and people were like, there's no sound coming out. I don't know how long it went on. It was probably like 30 seconds at least. I don't, I have no idea. I was hammered, not that hammered, but like. <laughs> hammered enough to like not be able to f not be able to feel the vibrations i was in like a 500 cap room or something so the pa wasn't ripping so like i just muted it or whatever <laughs> so i have now learned to never have a band or mute all anywhere near anything that yeah. is near my hands ever did, did anybody so it's turn like, around it's like it's, it's same with those like this the fire the cue scenes like oh god i try to make sure that i if I have scenes, I, I make sure I, I start it with it unmuted 
and then Story. save it and then yeah. mute it again to start the show like pretty quick you know i can do it in a split second or whatever if that happens but like fuck that sucks i can't i <laughs> scenes still scare me like i don't want to like push a button and it's not going to be what i recorded you know five hours ago or like the day before and that shit scares the hell out of me and like it just had to have that be like wipe the whole desk be like fuck dude i'm gonna cry like, it sucked. Ah! oh it's so sucked i was so embarrassed oh dude yeah me too man i'm sorry i didn't even know it that's the worst part so it was like I, you know i was had no, headphones i was young and like blasting headphones because i couldn't fucking hear i didn't have i didn't so have ears or anything Normally, I would tell you to turn the vocal up, but the vocal is fine. <laughs> you turn the rest of the band on. Yeah. <laughs> Unmute. So that I got never yeah. again. I, that was like, I don't know. I think it had been a, a, a year of doing like the band on the subgroup. I was like, because I saw someone else do it. I was like, yeah. I'll try that. That seems cool. I can mix the band versus the vocal. Like, yeah. that's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's, just the, it's just like a... You know, it's just like fixing the problem before it happens or whatever. Yeah. Like, I want I want nothing to go wrong. Like, if I touch anything, I don't want anything to do anything. So I'll put, like, my, you know, my masters on a second layer that it's not on a mute group that's on that one layer or whatever. Like, I don't want to be able to do uh, – it's just scary. Like, it's fucking yeah. scares me. Yeah. Nick, uh, I'm going to put you under the spotlight here. What's, uh, what's the worst experience that you've uh, learned from? Uh, I'll get to that, but I, um, <laughs> Drew's story reminded me of like every time I'm on a house Midas or a house Yamaha, just the way that you have to store a snapshot in order to save anything, like oh, so that, that bites my ass every fucking time. And I can't tell you how many times I've come up from changeover and I go to load my thing and it takes me back pre sound check, pre, pre me even tuning the room. And I'm just like, oh my God. Okay. Well, changeover is going to be fun. I'm just there just guessing and like it, eventually it's fine like I said by third song I've got it figured out but it's just like whoever designed like that's the way that they do their their file storage I just want to slap them I'm like in the real world that doesn't that's not how it works like it needs to be like wipe the whole fucking desk put in your show kind of like I, I don't like Avid but the way they do it at least it's like I know it's my show yeah, yeah. And you have no fucking clue when you're when you're coming off the house desk and just like loading a scene. Um, and then yeah, that that button that's just like right next to the master fader. It's so oh. <laughs> yeah, they put it right by the master. So scary. Like, what? Why did you do that, man? It needs to have like a plastic cover over it, like the solo yeah. in place. Solo in place. Minus Pro. Can we all can we all seriously get together and design a console together and like take yeah. it to one of these motherfuckers and be like, make this. Make this. <laughs> Fine. Um, so real all quick, the best features of all the desks, and be like, cool. Like, I want, you know, sixteen Midas preamps. I want twenty-four Avid SL preamps. I want twenty-four Digico pre's. Make this console work for us. I want this knob to do this thing. I don't want a fucking encoder. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, probably the worst show we ever did was uh, the Earth Day birthday outside of Orlando, and it was. The booking agent booked a festival, the first show of the tour. We had a new guitar tech who'd never worked for us before. We had a monitor guy who I think had never worked for us before. Um, all new equipment. So this is like all new in-ears, all new wireless gear, all new guitar amps, all new bass amps. The whole, like, we we never thought, oh, we need a production day or several production days. We just fucking threw it on stage and nothing worked. 
<laughs> yeah, it was five Ds in front of house and monitors and just like, they, we didn't have monitors the first two songs. We didn't have guitar the entire show. It's funny how that works. New uh, stuff. <laughs> it does like from that point on, we told the booking agent, "Don't ever book us a festival first. And it, that's happened every year since. Like we just we can't get around that. <laughs> yeah. Eric, uh, you would care to indulge us with a, a bad experience that you learned from? Nightmare scenario for me, actually. Uh, I mean, I could pick. I mean, I've done plenty of mistakes. Um, last spring with Godsmack, we we had done european headline shows and then european festivals and then we had some massive shows and we did some clubs and we were in germany and this this club was maybe it, when i say it's a, a european 2500 seater you that's crammed full of people they put 2500 people into like my fucking living room it was just this, <laughs> it was dense and we had a, a great day Line check was great. Sound check was great. Uh, they decided to play a couple of new songs. So we got the whole actually band up for sound check, got rehearsal, everything was rocking. And what I had never checked when we had advanced all of our Euro gear from um, our vendor was I didn't look inside the rack. I plugged stuff in, made sure it worked and it was great. So they didn't use actual Neutrik EtherCon with shielded Cat 6E cables to run between the uh, the Neutron and the DL231. They had little Office Depot Cat 5 patch cables. I didn't know this at the time. And we're go for intro. Intro happens, downbeat happens, crowd erupts. And it's, this club is like on the second floor or something. So, you know, the whole building's flexing when the band is, when the crowd is jumping and energy feels good. And all of a sudden this, horrible square wave noise is the only thing coming out of the PA and it is the loudest fucking thing. It's just like just coming out of the PA. And I, I pick up the, I, I pull the main fader down and I, I pick up calm real quick and I'm screaming at our monitor guy like sketch, what the fuck is going on? And he was like, nothing. Everything's good for me. Like, Oh shit. And I bring it back up. like, And so now I'm, I'm troubleshooting and this is happening in the, uh, a matter of seconds. And I'm going through like the drums are good. Da, 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 da. And what it is, the first 24 channels were great, but the patch cable between the neutron and the second 24 channels was jank. So, and it had taken a shit. And that happened to be where uh, Sully's guitar and Sully's vocal are. Perfect. You know, <laughs> it's you know, little things. Great when it happens. Just the boss. boss. <laughs> it, took, yeah. it took me five minutes to literally five minutes. To, to force my way through the crowd to fix it, to, to repatch it. And I'm, I'm yanking at the time I'd taken um, spare cat sixes from our lighting guys rig. Just like, I just, I need a cable. I'll deal with it later. And I plug it in. So now we're looking at probably eight minutes round trip for me to go from front of house all the way back up to monitor world because monitor guy and the audio guys are keeping the band happy and they're noodling around on stage, pretending like everything's fine getting back out front and, and the band guys were cool enough to literally, we did a complete do over like intro downbeat, do the whole show. I, I, my asshole has never been so tight. I mean, I'm just terrified this whole show and, and we're loading out and I got, I got nothing to say because it, it, technically that's my responsibility. I should have checked yeah. my thing. And uh, the boss comes from the dressing room and he's walking out to his bus while we're loading the truck. Hey man, not for nothing, but, Thanks for being so cool about this, this whole thing. He's like, was I? 
That's all you can do. Two square wave solo. <laughs> it was never spoken of again. Damn, I've never heard you of it. You should the- record it and then like play it during virtual sound check one day when they were walking through, just make oh shit. Oh sorry guys. Just kidding. Got yeah. you. <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like you know somebody like you know like especially because they're you know they're they're new england guys and they have no problem getting heated and letting you know when they're heated what that's not the boston i know right so when when everything is calm in the midst of chaos it's like oh fuck i know how bad this is right now yeah uh speaking of janky cat five cables nick do you remember when i think we were in Cleveland or Cincinnati? I can't, it was whatever the House of Blues was. Is that was that Cincinnati? No, Cleveland. Cleveland Ooh. was House of Blues, and uh, they had a janky Cat Five cable from front of house to the stage. And I told the house guy, I was like, "Hey, I, you know, the Midas M32 is really particular about Cat Five cables." And he's like, "Dude, we have people in here all the time. It's fine. Don't worry about. It. Besides, it's brand new. We just ran it." And I'm like, I really like to run my Cat Five cable. And he's like, "Ah, we got it. Don't worry about. It. Like, it's gonna be fine." And and you were you guys had finished sound check and I, I went to plug into the cat five and like full volume square sine wave sound starts coming through the PA and the, the house guys like, what the fuck's going like, <laughs> and we figured out pretty quickly. It was that cat five cable, but it completely made the board just like flip out. I never, I never had that experience before, but that M 32 was unhappy. I've never had that experience with Midas Pro or the M32s at Square Wave. Like, never. If it's, the Cat5 like doesn't work, it just like doesn't do anything. That makes me not want to tour with Midas like ever again. Well, the, the so I would say even in defense of, and Eric probably already knows this, but there's a difference between protocol between the Pros and the, the Midas M32s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The M32s are supposed to be shielded uh, Cat5e. Yeah. And the pro series is you, you don't need to be un, you need to be unsheltered. You don't even have to be. I mean, I don't think it makes a difference, but the, there's something to do with it. And static electricity is a big component. I think I had an issue with yeah. a cable and I tested it a thousand times after a horrible show. Um, and like, that's the, that's the biggest thing you have to stick really, I would err on 250 feet for sure. Not doing 300. Cause if you do oh, 300 okay. or I seen a guy, eat shit during a festival when he was using the house cat five at a hundred meters. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like that's uh, 320 something odd feet. You're, you're playing with like, Oh, oh I've always done it. And I'm like, I watched the show and it literally was cutting out completely for seconds at a time. Yeah. And I was like, I watched the entire show and I was just like, Oh God. Oh. Yeah. He's like, Oh man. It's, it's, it's always, it's, it's always the smallest component. Like I, I can't yeah. you know, knock wood. I've never had a surface take a shit and, and be catastrophic show failure. I've never had a DSP unit do that, I, but it's a cable um, on Dustin Lynch with Digico. I was getting the same chirp that, that Drew was talking about and I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And it turns out it was just a janky cat five cable between two units in there that was causing that chirp and it was i mean that that was a that was like a day and a half investigation and a phone call and another phone call to somebody to finally get rid of the smallest cheapest component in the rig that was causing just irreparable damage to my show yeah 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 good old technology you live and you die by it uh 
Uh, Say so, no to cheap cat five. That's right. That's going to be my new <laughs> tour shirt. No cheap cat five. Um, so just real quick, one final question. Yes, no. Uh, Nick, have you had a console or a surface die on you in a show? I don't think we should answer these questions. This is, this is bad. This is bad juju. We're getting it all out while, we're, while we can't do anything. No, I, I don't think I have. I've had, um, God, what was that one? I've maybe had like a, a, a SC48 after restart. If, maybe, but I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I would have, I would have blocked it out of my memory for good if that had happened. Drew, have you had a console die? I might, yeah, I might have to circle around because I'm trying to remember sure. for sure. Eric, I might have blocked it out. Eric, you said uh, no, but have anything I, else? But I, I have, during a show, hot swapped input cards on an H3000. Damn. Like we had a, a console took a beer, the analog console took a beer, move, move, unplug, move channels down to the left until they're full, hot swapped the card and did it during the show. Oh my gosh. On that too in Germany, I got I I took a beer and I basically just took one through sixteen from my snake and patched it down to the end the other end and brought my drums up on the other end of the, of the yep. console. Wow, that's wow. why you should go analog. Analog needs to come back. <laughs> uh, hey, so oh Drew, I got, yeah. oh, go go for it. No, you go go Drew. It's fresh in your mind. Um, so I was on this cr- the rock cruise that would train train to sail across the sun or whatever it's called and. The, in the gallery, if you guys are familiar and remember that terrible room, it's like the, the the gallery right when you walk in the ship and it's like everything's glass and like a carpet floor, but everything is glass and it's a terrible space to have a full band, even if it's not a metal band. It's like metal band would be the, the worst, but it's like everything is just glass all around it. And these guys had bought a M32, two M32s. And it was kind of when it was a new thing and I didn't know how they were planning on doing it. I, I honestly didn't know enough about it. I didn't know about it, the format and how the gain sharing was. And they were trying to set up a gain share. And I, to this day, can't even remember because I'm very familiar with it now. But they had set it up in a situation where for some reason, half of my rack would not show up. In, and I had came, uh, like I always come with a file. I had come with a file and I was familiar enough to mix on it. And I knew enough about it, but I didn't know how the, the gain sharing and monitors was fine. We had a 32 input, you know, in monitors, but for some reason I was down 16. So all my inputs were showing up and I was literally during a, a 20 minute changeover, literally just like, all right, well, we'll just patch it into this channel and then I'll try to remember. And we just took a piece of tape and like wrote it on there and then just line checked it and like cross patched my entire show into 16 channels and started the show and they just pushed me into it. So, Oh man, I'd rather have yeah. a console die than try to do that. I think. Yeah. Alex, I, I think I know the answer cause we talked about it when, when we met uh, on your podcast, but console deaths. Uh, yeah, we were at, uh, we were playing right before Brixton Academy. We were at, it was Midas, and I was just like watching the show, and my meters froze on my Midas, and I was like, okay, and the audio was still going. I was like, cool, I, I, this is fine, and then it just drops out for like I don't know, probably ten seconds. Uh, meters come back, and then it keeps going. But I was just like, I, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Later, found out that there was three different firmwares. I had two, one stage rack in front of house for some, yeah, for my UAD and then one on stage and then the surface and all three are different firmwares. So after I did that, I re uh, uploaded all the new firmware and everything was fine. 
It did happen once again, but it's still past audio. But the meters froze for like 20 seconds, roughly. Uh, and it was real fucking like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It happened again. I just I stepped back and I was like, I'm not touching anything. I'm not here. It's not my fault. If the PA goes out, it's not me. It's the console. I didn't, it's not my fault. I told this story to Alex, but I'll share it real quick with everybody here. I was at a, a casino in the middle of America um, doing like an early show with Stitched Up Heart last summer. And not me, but uh, a different band engineer was mixing the headliner. And all of a sudden, second or third song into the into the set, the PA goes completely silent. And the band, you know, is still jamming because they're on their ears. And everybody turns around and looks at the the engineer and he's got his hands up and he's like looking around for the house guy this casino, the way they had their system processing set up, it was tied to a Windows laptop and it had just turned midnight and the laptop decided to apply Windows updates and it killed all the audio. Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot about that. And we're just like, well, now what? <laughs> like, what do you do? So, That's so stupid. These computers are just controllers. Like, if I were yeah. to like, have the lake open and I just close the laptop or unplug it, nothing happens to the lake. Yeah. You know? I had a... I had a Pro 2 show. It, it basically, it, it was fine when it showed up, um, but it was a show at Ali Pali, and I had a, it was a, a desk that was formed, like it was recently repaired. And um, I was trying to use my tablet as like a way to EQ my left, right. And I was like, I'm so far back. I want to make sure I can listen to it. And every time I would enable DHCP, it would shut, it would literally freeze the entire desk. Oh. And it was probably the I was, console I had. Did you get it from AdLib? Yeah, actually, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the same console. They said, so I, and I'm like, I'm in London and I'm calling the one guy, Chase McKnight, I knew from yeah. like Midas. And he's the only guy I know because no one else works there apparently. And I was like, hey, I am so screwed right now. We had loaded in and this, my show file is, it, something as weird is happening. And then he was like, I'm going to find out. He calls me back in like five, 10 minutes. And he was like, just don't, don't enable DHCP. If you switch the cat five, there's two cat five cables that aren't labeled under the fader board. And if they get switched, you can literally crash the entire console every time you enable, enable DHCP. And I was like, that is not good. that is terrible literally bricks the whole thing like all the meters just go all completely up that's unbelievable wow all right we went quite long here um so i think that's a good good place to end for now um i want to thank all of you guys really for being a part of this i know it's tricky to get everybody in um with schedules being what they are but also then also just trying to get everybody's thoughts across you know you've got five people on a on a zoom meeting but you all did really wonderfully um so thank you guys for being guests and for participating in this i'll put up links to all of your uh, social media feeds and pages and whatnot in the show notes and uh, i hope i can get you back together for a follow-up because i there's like four or five other things that we could have talked about and we ended up going down the festival rabbit hole and talking about dead consoles and stuff. So we got all the bad <laughs> stuff behind us. Yeah. But we episode talking about a thing that may never exist again. So that's cool too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shit. Damn. All right. Ending <laughs> <laughs> oh, on a high note, Nick. Woo! <laughs> 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 all right. Well, thanks for asking me, man. Seriously. Thanks for yeah, asking me. Great. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking with you, dudes. Good to meet the guys I had met before, so I look forward to it again. Yeah, likewise. And that's something I should point out is um, I don't think I think all of us have worked together uh, individually, but I don't think we've all 
been together in a group like this ever before. So this was extra fun for that reason. So thanks everybody yeah. for being so cool. Of course. All right. So with that, I'm going to bid everybody farewell and uh, look for another round table where we'll pick up on some other subjects and, and continue this party. And we won't talk about such uh, depressing stuff at the next time. So until then, uh, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you soon. Awesome. And that's a wrap on today's show. I hope that you found it equal parts entertaining and informative. This show is recorded on an Allen & Heath D-Live system with Sure microphones and Waves tracks live. I use Skype, FaceTime, and Facebook Messenger to meet with my guests, so the occasional robot voice is to be expected. Thanks again to Merrick Goodwin for the awesome show music and to you for listening. Be sure to visit the Mixmasters website at www.mixmasterspodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Mixmasters can also be found on Facebook and Instagram at Mixmasters Podcast. That's all one word. Give a like, follow us, and never miss out on new episodes. 